He is the inglorious God, the miracle worker who continues to work in, uh, in our lives. Nothing better than a relationship with the Almighty God. Well, two weeks in a row, we're celebrating new births, and uh, we are celebrating uh, the arrival of Emerson Victoria Boblet. So we are thrilled to have this new life around here. Chris and Natalie are the parents. The grandparents happen to be Mike and Laura sitting uh, 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 right here. And I think I saw, did I see the, uh, Matt and Mallory, the car stairs here? We celebrate... There they are, way in the back. Yeah, stay away from the people with that baby. But uh, uh, So just to testify to those, if you're a guest here, there's one uh, biblical command we take very seriously around here. And we're celebrating that. Yeah, those who know the Old Testament, they're laughing. The rest of you are, don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Talk to somebody that's laughing. Next week, we're going to celebrate uh, our, uh, uh, our annual uh, get-together as a congregation to make uh, decisions. We'll talk about where we're headed, uh, hopefully, in this next year, uh, God willing, where he'll direct us. We're going to do that immediately following this service in this venue. Those of you online, good morning. Nice to have you joining us, and we will have this live stream next week. You'll be able to participate from home as well and, and interact, but uh, we will uh, hopefully in unity make some decisions that will move us forward in terms of continuing to accomplish our vision of helping people enjoy God and uh, find the, the life that's, uh, that's in him. Now, I'd always dreamed as a kid about being a professional basketball player. There were Lincoln Logs, and there were all kinds of do, things to do as a kid, but there was only one thing that interested me, and that was sports. And as kids, we'd play whatever season it was, but as I started getting older, there was one sport that seemed to me better than all the rest, where the best athletes naturally gravitated towards, and, and, and that was basketball. So I, I dreamed of being an NBA player, so I got a question for you. Do you think a guy with that frame and that athletic build could make it in the NBA? Now, I'm going to tell you, that guy did not have the ability to have it, to, to, to play in the NBA. But I think if you went to an NBA back in the day, this is a long time ago, there were actually frames like this playing in the NBA. Now, I gave this to Sonia, who runs our office this week, to get it in my PowerPoint. She didn't recognize it as me. <laughs> the second one was more familiar, but here's the question for you. I actually think frames like that, at least back in that day, again, didn't have the talent, didn't have the abilities, the skill set, but I think had a frame. How about this one? If you were an MBA coach and you got a picture of this, uh, you know, what kind of potential do you think there is in this picture? Water boy. Water boy. <laughs> yeah. Because the, re the reality is this. I think the first a golf pro. <laughs> oh. The first one, I think, actually could be fit for the NBA. The second one, 
doesn't fit at all. In fact, we had a game out, out, out here at that hoop out in, the, out in the back lot, and Sharia and Hannah and I took on Keith and Brian. And I'm just going to tell you, for those of you who play basketball at all, in that second body, I couldn't make layups. If you understand basketball at all, I mean, I look back at what has happened from that first picture to the second picture. I didn't think I could play that badly. Now, I don't care about the score. You guys know me. I just want everybody to participate and have fun. But somebody decided to keep score, and uh, uh, Sharia and Hannah and I, well, Hannah hit a 21-foot jumper from the top of the key off glass to win the game, for those who <laughs> care about that stuff. So the point is, that's what we're in this text. We're in 1 Corinthians 15, and Paul's been talking about our resurrection being guaranteed because Jesus rose from the dead. When we look at the text today, he's not going to diminish the goodness of the bodies we have right now, but what he's trying to make clear is these bodies, just look around at all the rest of people here, they're not fit for heaven. They won't work. These bodies we have now, in the immediate presence of God, it's just not going to fit. But when Jesus comes back, everybody that loves him is going to be raised and our bodies are going to be miraculously transformed into bodies that will spend all eternity in the immediate presence of God. So we're going to look at two paragraphs again this week and, and two ideas that I think are fairly simple and we'll look at how Paul pulls them apart. But first of all, the uh, first idea is these bodies... We're just not designed for heaven. They just weren't. They weren't designed by God for heaven. They won't work there. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. God gives it a body as he has chosen into each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, the glory of the earthly is of another. There's one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. Father, we, uh, we praise you for the life that we enjoy right now here. And we praise you for the life that we're going to eventually enjoy in your immediate presence. The stuff we're talking about can sometimes be hard to imagine and, and sometimes even harder to believe. But my prayer is the truth of what you inspired Paul to write to the Corinthians and to us would empower us, would fill us with hope, would fill us with joy in the midst of this broken world. Father, there's so much about this world we enjoy, so much good here. 
And then there's a lot of bad stuff. My prayer, particularly for those of us who are struggling with the challenges of life today, that you would fill them, but all of us, with the hope of what will be. I pray that you would give us more courage, more confidence, and more love and grace today. Because we can know with certainty what will be when Jesus returns. That's our prayer, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So our present bodies are not going to work in heaven. And here's the first idea again. Different bodies are a part of God's design. This just didn't happen, but God planned it this way. And he's going to give us three illustrations. He's going to start with horticulture and a seed, pretty familiar text. He's got three ideas as he talks about a seed. The first one is the seed must die. The second one is the seed planted is different than the sprout that arises from the ground. And the third is that it's God is the one that transformed the seed into the plant. So back to the text. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. Now, if you just read those sentences without the broader context, I am one of those foolish people. Now, I didn't really hear about this. I don't remember hearing about our resurrection. Now, I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. I don't really remember hearing about this till I was in seminary. That's not a good thing. The primary hope of Scripture is the return of Christ. We love that we go to heaven to be immediately with him, but there are only three New Testament texts that reference that intermediate state. The hope of Scripture is when Jesus comes back. And I don't remember even hearing about it. So when I heard about it, I started asking, what's this body like and how do you do that? So we have to see what he says, you foolish person, in the context of what we've been reading in all of 15. They aren't believing in the resurrection of believers. They're denying it. And so when they say, how are the dead raised? It's not, I believe we're going to be raised. How is it going to be happen? It's, hmm, you say there's a resurrection? Paul, explain to me how that's going to work. Because here's the challenge they have. Intellectually, they can't get past that they know what happens to a body when it's dead. I've shared with you about three times I've been to, with people when they die. I'll tell you, the difference between when they breathe their last and have not breath and stop breathing, you can feel it. The soul is gone. And then you put it in the ground. You guys all understand what happens to bodies? So here's the problem. Intellectually, they can't understand this, so they're denying it. Now, I'm going to go on a sidebar here for me that deals with that issue because these guys are illustrating it, but I deal with it in lots, of, in lots of issues with lots of folks as they consider faith. And if you're somebody who's considering trusting Jesus, I'm going to encourage you to listen really carefully to the next couple of minutes. Our faith in Jesus is based in reason. We live in a world where most people just put spiritual truth in a category where truth is not that relevant. 
Just believe whatever you want, think whatever you want. There's a bunch of roads to heaven. His spiritual stuff really isn't about thinking. It's not really about reason. And so why do we have all these different religions out there? And you boil it down. Where we live in 2022, the key is our source of truth for any religion. But you can check this stuff out. The Quran, the Book of Mormon. There's nothing out there that has the historical integrity of the Scripture. Not even close. And yet lots of people are believing these other things. You can hear me say, they are less reasonable. I've told you, somebody shows me where the Bible's wrong, I will walk away from the faith and encourage everybody I know to walk away from the faith. Now, people have been trying for 2,000 years. It hasn't been that successful. But this is about using our brains, using our reason, using our rationale to work through, first of all, that the Scripture is the foundation of our truth, then we want to interpret it accurately, and then we get to what we often refer to, I do anyway around here, as the wall. And there are people, some people that just do this, it's all emotional. It just makes me feel good. It's true. No, it's got to be true. Now, the truth of Jesus makes us feel better than anything else, brings us more joy. But we get to this wall where we realize as finite people, there are limits to our reason. There are some people that can't get there. The most reasonable people get to the edge of their reason. There are some people, and that's where these guys are here. Why can't they accept the resurrection of the dead? They know what happens to a dead body. They can't imagine how it gets put back together. How many of you understand how God's going to do that? May I see your hands? So to those folks, what we believe seems unreasonable. Now, we got a bunch of these truths. Creation out of nothing? Can you explain to me how that happens? The Trinity. I will give up the floor. One God, three persons. The incarnation. These things give me a headache sometimes thinking about them. Now, I tell you, I love going to the fence and I love thinking about those things because I go, oh my, oh my, oh my. He is big. But it's rooted in reason. It's rooted in the truth of Scripture and our interpreting that accurately. And that leads me, my reason leads me to believe there's a limit to my ability to understand things. Now, I'm going to trust them because they've been proved and demonstrated to be faithful to the Scriptures. Anyway, that's a sidebar. So anyway, is it a foolish question to ask what our resurrection bodies are going to be like? No. Thank you for the audience participation. <laughs> the, we, 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 no, this is a good question to ask. Hopefully, based in this, what's it going to be like? And we ask that question because I think it gives us a fuller picture of God and his power. That's why we meditate on this and contemplate this. If you go back to those pictures, I'm going to look like that first one, except my hair is going to be down the middle of my back. I cut it that short because I was a basketball player. When you see me, I was pounds lighter than I am in that second picture. So don't be like Sonia when Jesus returns that didn't recognize me. But I will introduce myself if you want. 
What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. There's the first idea. Now, some of you horticulturists go, and the seed really doesn't die. You are correct, not Paul's point. He's using this as a metaphor. And what you sow is uh, 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 not the body that is to be. It's going to be different. But a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen. And to each kind of seed, its own body. So, do you guys see this? Want to guess what it is? This is the visual part. For those who can't imagine a seed in a plant, here's a seed. You put it in the ground. And then this comes out. It's different. Who designed it that way? Who's in control of that? We think we put a seed in the ground and we're growing something. Folks, the reality is we ain't growing anything. <laughs> Every time you look at a plant, just look around here. Look at any seed, look at all this. Who's doing that growing? God's doing the growing. Now, how exactly does it work? I'm not exactly sure, but it's his plan. Then he goes to a second illustration, animals. Again, his point is God has a design for these bodies, humans and animals. But God gives it a body as he has chosen. This is his point. To each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for humans and other for animals. And I think he's thinking specifically here of sheep and donkeys and camels and that kind of stuff. Because we would put birds and fish and you, uh, you got it, right? Just stick with the original language and the intent. But you got humans, and then you got donkeys, and then you got birds, and then you have fish. His point again, our body now and our resurrection body, all part of his infinite design. Look at all this creation out there. That's what God did intentionally. This body now is by his design. That body in eternity is by God's design. All a part of his plan in heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. Pick it up at verse 40 there. And here's the summary of what he's saying in this paragraph. There are heavenly bodies that we're going to have when Jesus returns, and now there are earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. Now, I think this is important. I think sometimes there are people of philosophers, there have been people throughout the, uh, the ages, even some that have, uh, have referenced Christianity, that believe the body is evil and the spirit inside us is good. The body is good. There's a glory in this body. Who designed it? God. This is a good body. This is what he gave us for now. He wants us to enjoy it. Now, it's different than the body we're going to have when Jesus returns. But the body is a good thing. Sometimes we do bad things with the good body. But this body is a good thing. And he's going to address that uh, uh, as we go. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. You got animals that are different from humans and even from one another. Even the sun is of extraordinary brilliance. The moon is a lot less bright. And then this, this differentiation is all from God. So let's summarize it this way. Here's Paul's point in his first paragraph. Heaven, being in the immediate presence of God, is such a glory existence that our present bodies will simply not fit. 
these bodies will just not work. He's going to take care of it, and we're going to deal with that in a few minutes. Because God solves that problem. But we're going to spend a few minutes and pause and celebrate the person and the event that makes this miraculous transformation possible. Jesus, God himself, left the glory of heaven. Paul in Philippians 2 said, in doing that, he emptied himself. I think what he means is he gave up being perceived with the glory of God. He never stopped being God, but he gave up the right to be seen as God and became one of us became a servant. He came into this world ultimately to die. Is Jesus going to the cross, taking all our gook, all our muck, all our shame, all our sin upon himself? That's where the power for us to be transformed in every way comes from. We have a guarantee that we're going to be resurrected because after he took all our shame and everything else on himself, you guys know the story. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. We're talking about all this stuff. It's the primary hope of the New Testament is Jesus' return and what we're going to enjoy. We don't want to ever forget that the basis of this, the foundation of this, is Jesus' death and his resurrection. We're going to ask that everyone... Make sure that they have their elements. You might have gotten some of them when you walked in. If you do not have them, please raise your hand and we'll make sure we get them to you. I see someone coming the way. So this is what we want to do. We want to maintain with this same feeling of gratitude that we're learning in the Word today. Maybe we give an extra nod and not be as casual, perhaps, as we normally are. So like Todd said, the bread and the wine, they symbolize the broken, beaten, bruised body of the sin taken upon Jesus' body for us, for our behalf. Keep raising your hand if, you, if anybody else needs. And then the wine, or the juice, and the cup, is the blood, the blood of Christ that was shed on our behalf, the blood that now flows in sort of a new spiritual transformation for us. So you can take the elements when you would like, but let's pray over them first together.
And then I'm just going to ask that as you do that individually, just take a moment with God. Just speak to him. Just thank him. So let's pray. Lord, we remember you and we thank you. We remember what was done on the cross on our behalf. That act that changes our lives every day. And we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. We don't want the moment to pass without us really, truly showing you and speaking to you our gratitude. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may take the elements whenever you wish.
how he loves us. This is all just founded in how he loves us. He created these bodies. They are great bodies. But they're not fit for heaven. But he solves that. And he's going to give us new bodies for heaven. Here's what he says. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable and what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, then there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of dust. And is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So God's going to give us new bodies. And our resurrected body will be very different. Our new bodies, this is important, will not simply be the result of our dead bodies being resuscitated, revived, or reanimated but a transformed body designed particularly for heaven. So Jesus rose three people from the dead. Remember who they were? Lazarus. Everybody gets Lazarus. <laughs> Let's go with the other two that are less. Pardon? Oh, man, he's looking for a Starbucks card. What's the third one? Because Mike Boblet's celebrating the birth of his new granddaughter. We'll buy you a Starbucks card if you can get this one, Rob. Because he's so excited about that grandchild. Look at that Starbucks card going his way. Jesus raised these people from the dead. The widow's son. But these bodies were the earthly body. Their body was revived. Were these three all dead? Yes, they were dead. They got Raised from the dead, they were resurrected. Use whatever verb you want. But the important difference is they got a body like ours that's still going to decay. Those three still all died. That's different than what's going to happen uh, to, uh, to us. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So the present body, and look at this comparison, perishable. You young people out there. It's going to happen to you. I actually believe Paul wrote this stuff and intends this to have meaning for you. But as I shared last week, I remember the invincibility of youth. And people talked about dying and it just wasn't relevant. 
Now, my prayer for all of you is it's a long, long, long way off. But it's going to come. And the more in a healthy way you young people can deal with it today, here's my promise. You will make choices in this life that will make it a happier life. We don't talk much about this in the culture. But every one of us is in the process of dying. And our bodies break down and stop working. It's why doctors are an important part of life. And let me assure you, the older you get, the closer relationship you build with your doctor. This is how it works. Now, here's a quick 12-second video to illustrate. Now, you young people can't imagine that day. You understand? <laughs> you young people, in that picture when I was, I think, 19 or 20, I had absolutely no idea I'd look in the mirror one day and see this. It never, ever occurred to me. And it's just getting worse. How long it takes a scab to heal. It is crazy. And this is what's going on. But one day when we get raised again, we're going to have bodies that are imperishable. They won't get sick. We won't need doctors. Think about this day. He's focusing on the body here, but think about the day. Last week, we looked at the text where Jesus is going to conquer everything, all the bad people that are out there, absolutely everything. There'll be no more political divisions. There'll be no more COVID response fights. And these bodies, I can't even imagine it, but I like to think about it because it gives me hope now. These bodies are good, but they're weak and dishonorable. He's not saying there's nothing good. You remember earlier, he already said these heavenly bodies have a glory. I think what he's talking about here, though, too, is it's in this theme of deterioration and these bodies also have a potential to do bad things. It's this whole general, general. So the, this body is in itself not dishonorable, but we end up doing things with it that are not good and bring shame. We're going to have a body. All we do is glorify God. What's that going to be like? I'm not exactly sure, but I will never be tempted to sin. Of course, I as a pastor don't have anybody that ever irritates me, but those of you who do have people that irritate you, I want you to understand this. There's going to be nobody irritating you. Again, because I'm a pastor, you understand, I, I am, I'm immune from that. Father, forgive me. These bodies. They're weak. 
Forgive me for talking about myself, but I had somebody here, oh, I don't know, a year or two ago. I said, man, it is tough getting old. And they looked at me and said, Todd, you're not getting old. You are. <laughs> My daughter asked me, oh, it was probably a year and a half ago, to open a jar of pickles. So it took a little more exertion. It was a little harder than I could. And I never actually got it open because before I opened it, something snapped in my elbow that ended up hurting for about six months. <laughs> you young people back there, you can't even imagine it, can you? I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven, you know, in an intermediate state. But when this happens to you all, you got to promise me you're going to go, oh, that's what Todd was talking about. You got to promise me. Because it's going to come. Powerful. They're not going to deteriorate. They're not going to decay. They're not going to fall apart. Used for only good. But I will open without any effort every pickle jar. <laughs> it's going to be easy. Not a problem. Now we have a natural body. It is a real body. It is a good body. But then we're going to have a spiritual body. And guys like to debate exactly what that's going to be, how that's going to look like. It's going to be us. But it's going to be changed. It will be us. But it's a body fit for heaven. Will you recognize me? If you look for the guy in the first picture, you will know me. Then you'll know me, but I'll be happy again to reintroduce myself. So our resurrected bodies are going to be different, and our new bodies are a result of Jesus' person work, what we just celebrated in communion. Don't miss this, folks. Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being. God made him a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now, became, don't press us too far. Jesus was there at creation at our physical births. But what Paul's emphasizing here is this Jesus through his death and resurrection is the guy that can make us, through his power, us be resurrected. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. That's what we're dealing with right now. And then the spiritual, we dealt with this last week. Go back there if you weren't here. This happens at Jesus' return when he comes back. The first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are all those who are of the dust. You go to a funeral, you go to the interment, the burial. Often it's said, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. This is where it comes from. And as is the man of heaven... So also are those who are of heaven. And he dealt with that more explicitly last week, but we're connected to Adam and the sin and all that stuff, these human bodies. But then in faith, we are connected to Jesus and his resurrection. And then the, the, the last point is our new bodies will share the image of Jesus. And we want to be careful here. He's not saying we will become God. He is not saying we will become gods. There's a group out there that believes in the afterlife, you become gods and inhabit planets. You can tell when I'm trying to be nice, I pause. Because <laughs> I want to be nice. And I don't want to speak ill of people. But that's a really lousy, unbiblical understanding. And they will use texts like this to build their case. What he's saying is, 
we're going to have a body like Jesus had after he rose from the dead. Did I read the text there? Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also shall bear the image of the man of heaven. We're going to have a body like the Son of God had after he rose from the dead. Now, how many of you know exactly what that's going to be? I don't know. This is about all I know because this is all I'm told. But I believe it. Because it's in Scripture. You can show me where scripture's wrong. I'm not going to believe this. But turning this body into something like that first picture, it's going to take some work. It's going to take more than a weight loss program. It'd be a good place to start. Paul guarantees that Jesus' return, we will be resurrected. Paul makes clear that our resurrected bodies will be miraculously transformed from our present bodies because God will give us bodies that are fit for heaven, and we celebrate. So here's what I'm encouraging you to do. We're still in this state of being fragile, fallible, and vulnerable in this state of decay. We are as we should be, though, for now. So here's my encouragement. Enjoy these bodies. Take care of them. God designed them for us to enjoy him and enjoy the gifts of these worlds. If you're a parent, start talking with your kids about the complexities of these bodies. These are amazing things. Now, because I'm not always that thoughtful, you know, I had some eye trouble a year ago. I understand exponentially more about the eye now than I did a year ago. I don't love the trouble, but I'm like, Oh, man, this one piece of the body is amazing. The stuff we take for granted, the complexity, the intricacy of this design. Holy cow, if you got young kids, start talking about this stuff with them. This body we have, it's crazy. It's crazy. The designer must be really smart and powerful. I'm just going impresses me. Enjoy this and share it with your kids. But we're on the road to a mode of existence like Jesus enjoys. I'm talking here about the deterioration part. You young people, this is a few years off. But for those of us that have hit 25 or 30, did you notice it starts to happen? At 20, I could dunk a basketball with ease. You start losing that. And it's a little sad. It can be hard. When you, those of us who are a little further on the road were confronted with some of this deterioration, here's my encouragement. All right, Jesus, you're preparing me for what will be. (laughs) I'm on the journey. I don't love that this body is getting old, but this is part of your plan to prepare me for the new one. Now take as much care as you can of this body. You know, there are people making money off of trying to delay this odd aging process. I think taking care of our bodies and eating, eating healthy theoretically is a wonderful idea. <laughs> I encourage us all all to do that. 
But I don't care how much we work out. I don't care how much we pay for all this stuff and all this advice. Let me assure you this. We are not stopping this process. And here's my hope for those of us at RCC. We're going to live every moment, every day, every year, enjoy it to its fullest. And as we see that process we're going, we're getting closer. <laughs> He's preparing us for that new body. This ain't easy that I can't make a layup, but huh, it's evidence that God is getting me ready. Lastly, we're going to have the same form and essence as Jesus. We are not going to be God. Do not hear me saying that. We're not going to be capable of sinning. We're not going to have bodies that want to have sin. We're not going to have minds that want to sin. This transformation is complete. We're going to live in the immediate presence of God. Last week, I encouraged you to set your uh, day timer. Uh, uh, well, if you're old, 6 o'clock in the morning. Some of us can set it for 4.30. Uh, uh, and you just type in at that hour and have it come up every week. Jesus rose from the dead. If you're younger, I think I said 11 or noon. My encouragement, if you haven't done that, do that again. If you haven't set that timer, sometime when you got a few minutes and just say, Lord, help me to think about the implications of your resurrection. Help me to understand what they mean for me today. Continue to give me confidence, more and more confidence about what it's going to mean when your son returns. Because Paul's confidence is the more confident we have in that day, the greater hope, joy, and grace, and love is experienced by us and expressed by us. Because there's a bunch of people out there that don't even know this day is coming for whom it's going to be a miserable day. But God put us here to help them understand the hope. And if you're considering loving Christ, keep thinking. Come talk to me. I'd love to do that. But this is part of what it's about. This is why we believe in Jesus. This is why we gather together to worship. This is why we invest in promoting the name of Jesus. Father, you are good. Thanks for sending your son into this world. Thanks for giving us life. Thanks for giving us the hope of eternal life. If we die before your return, we're going to go spend all that, that time in your immediate presence. Paul said... Man, facing execution, what do I prefer? I prefer to be with Jesus. So we know we'll be with you, but give us hope. Give us eyes that see beyond that to that glorious day when your son returns. And help us, Father, in joy and hope to prepare our friends, our family, our work associates, and give them the hope of celebrating with us on that day when every knee shall bow. That's our prayer, Father.